Welcome into another edition of the Locked on Rays podcast. And today, and quite frankly, over the next three days, we have a very special guest and interview to share with you. And that is Kevin Goldstein, Fangraph staff writer and former MLB front office executive with the Houston Astros. Um, We had a very lengthy conversation with Kevin who offered great insights on professional baseball, scouting players, the Tampa Bay Rays, and so much more. So part one of that interview will run today, part two tomorrow on Wednesday, and part three on Thursday. Now, if you visit our YouTube channel, you can catch the interview and conversation in its entirety. It's about 70 minutes long, and uh, it was a very enjoyable, thought-provoking, insightful uh, time that we had with Kevin. So just want to throw that out there. If you can't wait uh, the next three days, uh, please do visit and subscribe to our YouTube channel and you can watch the conversation there as well. So without further ado, here's Kevin Goldstein. And today, Ulysses, we are pleased to be joined by Kevin Goldstein, who is a national writer at Fangraphs and the host of the very popular Chin Music podcast. Uh, also, former scouting director with the Houston Astros. So a legit former MLB front office executive. Shaking his head. Already already (laughs) shaking his head. No, you've been there. You've done that. You you are for real. That's what they tell me. (laughs) No, very good. Um, What do you miss most about working in a front office? Um, There's a lot of things I don't miss. Certainly things I miss. I I, I think... um, just kind of, you know, this is this is a little vague, but just kind of having skin in the game, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that's some of it. And just, and you know, this is something, you know, honestly, I missed during my last year with the Astros because there uh, is currently and was then as well a global pandemic. Um, like just kind of traveling the con- traveling the world, really, on on someone else's dime and getting paid to watch, you know, and getting paid to watch baseball because of it. Um, so, but yeah, the most part was like kind of. Um, you know, going, seeing anything from like a big league team, even to, you know, uh, the, the, our DSL team and at the time and, and saying like, I had a role in that player being there and, and, and I had a role in, in, in that guy and, um, those kind of things, uh, you know, that, that's something I do miss. Um, there are certainly a lot of negatives about working for the baseball, working in baseball, certainly a good share of them working for the Astros over the last year. Um, but there were things I missed, but I, I gotta tell you, man, like, like, People, um, I have, you know, I still talk to plenty of people in the game. I had lunch with somebody in the game last week and I just told him, I said, the lifestyle is so much better now. And he said, yeah, I'm jealous of you. And it, it, it is, you know, and, and it was, you know, I was on the road, um, you know, hundred plus days a year and sometimes, you know, even much more than that. And, um, you know, it, it really is a 24 seven gig and, you know, I took like two two months ago or so. I went to California with my wife, and like that was the first time I took a vacation where I didn't have to necessarily like bring my laptop and look at my phone every hour for eight years. Um, and so, uh, there are things I miss, but certainly things that I don't miss at all. Yeah, and Kevin, you mentioned lots of travel entailed within your position or former position there. What was your favorite place domestically and internationally to visit consistently? Um, uh, you know, internationally, uh, I, I've been to the Dominican probably 25, 30 times. Um, the first time I went there, I kind of fell in love with the place and I still love the place. And it's, it's, 
it's it's there's there's something about that place that just kind of grabs your soul. And so I I love the Dominican. Um, I had a, I went to Mexico City and Tijuana and love both of those. Um, went to Japan, which was absolutely amazing. Um, I have no complaints about anywhere I ever went internationally. I, I do like travel and, and do like um, seeing other places and other cultures. Um, domestically, you know what's so great? Athens, Georgia. I saw, I, you know, I saw. I went to Athens, Georgia to see Alex Bregman. Um, mm-hmm. LSU was at Georgia, and that's when I went and saw him. Um, and Athens, Georgia is about uh, the coolest college town I've ever seen. Anywhere in Florida, Tampa. You like you mean like cool? Jacksonville. I've been, I've been, you say somewhere in Florida, I've been there, but I don't know if I'm going to put cool on it. Um, <laughs> I've been to, I tons of times in Tampa, um, see a ton of players in the Tampa St. Pete area, amateur guys, uh, lots of guys in the Orlando area, lots of guys in Miami, Fort Lauderdale, uh, some places on the East coast up North a bit. I've been all over Florida and obviously I spent a lot of time there just because the Astros spring there. Um, they were in Kissimmee when I first started. Uh, and then we're in West Palm the last couple of years. But yeah, I mean, I've spent literally months in Florida. Is is there a place that you were told, hey, let, you got to check this out and you were surprised about the level of baseball or, or surprised about the, the quality? And you're like, wow, I did not see that coming. Um, I mean, I think about like Miami high school, Miami high school baseball is kind of insane. Uh, and I knew it was really good, but. Like it gets really weird. I mean, I'm, you know, I live in Illinois. I grew up and I'm from the Midwest and, and, you know, it's a different kind of baseball here, obviously. And and you go see, you know, there's, there's maybe two or three special high school kids a year, you know, mm-hmm. around here. And, um, and when you see them, you always think to yourself, well, what does this kid look like if I drop him in Tampa or Miami or Los Angeles, you know, or Texas or, or like a real hotbed. But the thing that really struck me about Miami um, was there's a there's a few powerhouses, um, you know, places like Bishop McCarthy and American Heritage and things like that. But I remember going to a game and uh, you know and, and real dudes were there. Mark Vientos is with the Mets and and um, you know Joe Perez, who the Astros ultimately drafted, um, uh, Terrell, who went to Miami and hit a ton of home runs. Like this is a big game, huge, you know, big crowd. It's very exciting, lots of energy, and you know it's it's it was really fun. And I was there with a local uh, a local scout. It's a close game, you know, and it's it's like three to one and um sixth inning, here comes a reliever. It's a little five ten kid, he could spin it a little bit. And and the local scout says to me, Yeah, this is their sixth inning guy. So first of all, it's a high school team with a sixth inning guy. <laughs> and that's insane to me. And then he says, Yeah, he's he's got a he's going to Richmond. I said, what do you mean? He said, oh, he's got a scholarship to Richmond. So this is a high school team, A, with a sixth inning guy, and B, the sixth inning guy is a four-year school he's going to play baseball at. Um, and so it's that kind of thing that kind of blew me away. And, you know, I, when I saw, um, you know, like Tristan Casas in Miami, it's, it, it, I mean, the sophomore center fielder was Enrique Bradfield, who's now just had a huge year at Vanderbilt. But even then, like, he just finished his freshman year and he was already committed to Vanderbilt. You know, after a freshman, it's just like, like, like what's going on here? And yeah. it's, you know, and if you looked at that, that lineup on the, on, on Costas's team, like, you know, six of the nine went to four year schools and, you know, three or four have professional careers that are going to go. It's, it's just, it's the, it's the depth of the baseball in, in Miami, the Fort Lauderdale that really kind of really blew me away. I knew it would be good, but it was the depth. Bet Online has you covered all season long with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football season continues to march to the playoffs. 
BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. So be sure to head over to their new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N to receive that bonus. Bet online, it is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports, and it's where the game starts. We also want to tell you about a simple way to get all the entertainment you love without all the hassle. Direct TV Stream brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, which means you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. And the best part of it all, there is no annual contract. So stop waiting and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That is directtv.com. Yeah, and I'm curious, Kevin, you you mentioned a lot of players there, and I'm sure maybe hundreds, if not thousands of players that you scouted over the years. Was there, you know, to this day, is there a guy that you're like, that was the most talented player at that time that I scouted, whether it was in high school or college or internationally? Um, yeah, it was definitely internationally, and it was um, the Astros had a private workout at their complex in the Dominican um, for Luis Robert. Okay. Um, I don't know if he was the best baseball player, but I've never seen tools like that in my life. Um, that I can say. Um, it was the, absolutely the, the best package of tools I'd ever seen uh, in person. Um, and I wrote that, and the Astros had kind of blown through their international money the year before, and so they're kind of limited what they could do, and um, and, and it was, you know, the White Sox obviously, um, went above and beyond for him and with good reason. Um, but that was, that was the best just kind of set of tools I've ever seen, um, on any field. And when you're scouting, when you're going to watch a game or watch a player, what's kind of your, your process and procedure into looking at that particular player? Do you have your notebook? Do you have your laptop? What's kind of in, in some certain things that you're looking for specifically? I'm definitely a note taker. I, I know a lot of a lot of scouts have kind of transitioned to 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 iPads and things like that. I'm I'm not that person. I'm a note taker, and I'll, I'll put it all together later. Um, it really it's very player dependent. Um, you know, there's a, there's a big difference between going to see, um, you know, a 21 year old junior right handed starter at an SEC school, um, and watching a 15 year old Dominican second baseman. Um, you know, it's not like the, the, the checklists are very, very different. Um, and, and at times I was not necessarily always sent to get a complete picture as much as, um, I did a lot of, um, uh, breaking ties with the Astros, if you will, doing on the amateur side, it's like, Hey, can you go see this guy? We have three people who have 400,000 on them. And we have three people who have 2 million on them. Um, we have three people who think he can stay at shortstop and we have three people who don't can you go see him? And I, you know, get on a plane, go see the guy. And so, you know, that, that sometimes you had very specific, make sure I really need to know what you think about his defense, you know? And, and so that might flip your checklist and flip your, 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 your focus a little bit as well. Um, but, you know, I, obviously you're looking at tools. I, uh, I do, I think it's important that guys be baseball players. We can talk about tools all day, but if you can't play baseball, it doesn't really matter. You know, I, I think, 
I, I could. I wish I could look smarter here. I, so, some some crazy great football player who I do not know his name. I'm sure he has amazing tools, even on a baseball level. Um, but he's not good at baseball. Um, Ricky Williams was you know a guy loaded with tools and 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 a better football player. He was a baseball player. And so you are making sure that they can take those tools. Tools are important, but you have to be able to kind of. Uh, utilize those tools and apply them to baseball skills, which I, I, you know, some people I don't think look at enough. And like we can talk about tools all day, you got to be able to play baseball too. Um, you know, I think a good example we just saw get DFA'd is Lewis Brinson, who has insane tools, some of the best tools you ever I've ever seen in a high school player, uh, but he can't hit, you know, and right. so it's, it's, it's valueless. Like it's, it's like the app, the applicability of the tools is, is, is minimal. And so, um, you you do want to look at him. You want to kind of get the you know, understand the way he operates and understand what the player does and and his approach at the plate and what his instincts look like and things like that. Um, you know, while you're also trying to figure out just what the tools are, like the tools are kind of uh, play a huge role in kind of defining the player's ultimate ceiling. Um, but all that other stuff is going to, you know, it's it's kind of the bigger needles, kind of his chances of getting there. Going back to that, half of the room says two million. Half of the room says four hundred k. Half of the room says yeah, he can play shortstop. Half of the room says no, I don't think he can. When you're told, hey, can you see this guy? How many times are you able to see him? Is it just the once, or you get a handful of of, of opportunities? Um, you know, I for a lot of those situations, in the case of a college player, it would probably be a weekend. So it'd be okay. a three game series. Um, Go see a college guide, a big pro of three game series. You're probably going to get two infields as well, like pregame infields, okay. um, and a couple BPs. So it's a good look. Um, you know, I, I certainly have been, you know, because of the number of guys I had to see or because of the commitments. I've, I've had plenty of one day looks. Um, they're tough, and you know, a lot of my high school times were one day looks, and those are those can be tough. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's it's. I do like to get an infield. I do like to get maybe two, um, at least one BP, and then like in the game, sometimes you you're just either lucking out or not lucking out. Um, you know, I can think of seeing a player for three days and an infielder, and he had one ground ball hit to him in three days, and it was it was it was like not that hard and right at him. You know, right. I, I I had a fifty fifty shot of making the play on it, right? And yeah. so you know, I didn't get what I needed. Um, you know, and, and we've gotten in a much better world in the last, um, ah, three to five years, just with, with, we have so much better video now on the college side where, you know, there are tools out there and then services available to teams where I can just go, you know, click Joey shortstop, click all ground balls to his right click. And I'm watching a hundred of them, you know, and, and that, that helps immensely. Uh, when you're in that position, say a three game series and, and you, you're talking about tools, you're talking about what they can, uh, do on the baseball field, the baseball IQ. There's also that other part where, you know, are they a good clubhouse guys? What's their work ethic? Like, are they a good person all around? How do you evaluate those things too? Cause you don't want to have like, just, you know, Joey with, with the leather jacket showing up late, you know, how do you do that? I mean, this is one of the places where, where the area scouts really um, put in the majority of the work and are kind of the, the unheralded heroes in a lot of ways because the area scouts are, um, it's in the name, they're the area guy, like they're in the area. Um, and they've probably been aware of this kid since he was a sophomore in high school, you know, and, and have five years and they know about his recruiting story and they've heard every, you know, every other story you need to know, um, you know, we do have to, as an industry, 
um, talk about makeup, but I think, you know, teams are very different on how they evaluate makeup and what they think is important on makeup. I, 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 I don't care if the kid goes to church and, and helps old ladies across the street. And <laughs> there are plenty of, of, of players who I would never want to have dinner with. And, and frankly, I, I, I'm sure I think are assholes who I think have great makeup. Right. right. Um, does he love baseball? Does he work hard? Is he driven to constantly improve? There are plenty of people who have that who are absolute jerks. Yeah. In my mind, they have good makeup, you know, and, and it, it's, it's, it's really about that in my mind. I think sometimes, you know, we put a little too much focus on the other stuff. Um, is he a quote unquote bad kid? And, you know, at times I think the way some people judge what is good and bad often, you know, ends up crossing some lines you know, in terms of maybe you just don't understand the culture this person came from. Um, how about let's just care about, does he love baseball? Is he work hard at baseball? You know, that's, you know, is he, is he, does he understand where he is? Does he have a good sense of self in terms of, um, you know, there are high school kids who uh, think they have it all figured out. That's trouble in my mind, you know, because got you know, best high school player in baseball, you drop him in the big leagues, he's going to be awful, you know? And so, yeah. you know, they have to understand where they are and, and what they need to work on and, and the best ones do. Um, and the best ones are constantly working. You know, I think about, you know, uh, Bryce Harper, uh, you know, Carlos Correa, you know, those guys are not happy right now with how good they are, <laughs> you know? And I, and I think that's, that's, that's a really important thing to me. And that's, you know, I, I tend to cringe when on the makeup side when people start talking about, you know, that he's a bad kid and like, well, what's, what's bad, you know? And it's, 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 well, you say that, but that doesn't matter. You know, I don't, it's, it's, does he work hard? I don't, you know, it, it, bad attitude is a, is a funny term and like, yeah, he's surly, but he works his ass off. That's great. You know, the only bad stuff I'm worried about are things that actually involve him, you know, committing crimes and harming others like that, that I care about, you know, but yeah. I, I, you know, great. The kid's surly, you know? <laughs> okay. I don't care. Following up on that. Um, and I've had this question and, and, we, we had a, a former or current Reds uh, scout on uh, the podcast before, but how much, if at all, can say maybe he's a good player, but also a malcontent, a guy that doesn't get really along with anybody within the clubhouse. How much, if at all, does that disrupt a team's ability to win and compete and have cohesion over the course of 162 and spring training and postseason and so on? Um. You're talking about a very player dependent situation. Um, you know, I always felt it was important um, during my time with the Astros to let AJ, AJ Hinch know what he was getting. Yeah, this is what's coming into your clubhouse. Um, and, um, you know, without naming names, I can think about a player. I'm like, hey, you know, we might acquire this guy. We're looking at him. He's going to be a pain in the ass, right? This is, this is, he's going to, it's going to be some friction here. He's going to be a pain in the ass. And, and AJ, I remember AJ saying, I can deal with it. Don't worry about it. I can handle this one. And then I remember, um, you know, talking to him about, you know, some possible guys to bring in um, as, as kind of lower level acquisitions money wise before spring training. And I remember bringing up a name and AJ said, absolutely not. I won't have him here, you know. And so um, it, it goes in a, it goes in a few directions. It's very player dependent. And then and, and, you know, but you do have to. 
Um, this is obviously something the Rays do. Just get back to them real quick. Obviously, I think you know keep your manager in the loop of who these people are, and it's kind of on you to 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 you know let him know what he's getting. And and you know the manager's going to call. They are they're all very close to each other. It's 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 a, it's a you know it's it's a community of managers. They're going to call that guy's old manager and say, "What am I getting here? You know what's going to going to be like?" And he'll let him know. Um, but it, it does matter. I think um, you just kind of want. Uh, a sense of something in your clubhouse can be a lot of things. There are super, you know, you think about like those mid eighties Mets teams, which were a team of absolute, you know, shitheads and they won a world series, but they were like, it was like unified. Yeah. We're all shitheads, you know, and <laughs> yeah, you just kind of need everybody on the same, on the same path, if you will. Interesting. And speaking of that and, and being able to speaking of shitheads. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. for sure. Um, managing, a clubhouse and and the responsibilities and role of a manager of course kevin cash won his second straight al manager of the year award and he gets a lot of credit and kudos for how he works with the players have you heard anything you know within the industry about how good kevin cash is compared to the average manager so to speak i mean he's i've heard nothing but great things obviously and 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 with good reason. I, I, I believe everything I've heard. I, I, it's, I do think it's one of those things where, um, it's the most important part of being a manager. You know, uh, we can all, you know, go online and find some manager scorecard on his pinch hitting and his reliever replacement. I, I, I that's 10% of the job, right? 90% of the job is managing the clubhouse and, you know, it, and it's soft science. It's hard to measure, but getting the, the, the best possible performances out of your players, um, that's a manager's job is getting the best possible performance out of your players. And, and, you know, we can't necessarily pop that onto a spreadsheet. So we're uncomfortable with it. Um, uh, but that's the job. And so, uh, and part of that involves managing athletes and, and athletes are, um, weird, very weird human beings. Cause they've lived very weird lives. The life of, you know, being a professional athlete is a very weird and unique thing and it makes for weird and unique people. And so, uh, you know, that's the manager's job. Like the rest of the, you know, am I going to bring in Smith or Jones here in the sixth and, and um, you know, I'm going to pitch hit here or not. I'm going to buy like, it's, it's just such a smaller aspect of the job that, that I think gets way too much focus on, on the public side because the public is in no position to measure the other part. You, you talk about athletes being weird. Uh, I think Kevin Kiermaier is a little bit off on the field. I, I have a term for it. I call it jock weird. It's just something I, I coined a little bit. But uh, yeah, I don't mind that. Of, but I feel like the I feel like jock weird almost applies to like high school. Like the once they get to the pros, they're so much weirder. Um, and and often in a more positive way, um, just because they like the high school dynamics gone. But yeah, they're they're such they're just strange. Like they were always good, and then they went to school maybe or didn't go to school. Um, like, you know, got a million dollars when they were 18 and, and always had, it, it just, it's a very weird world. I'm not saying they're bad people. They're just weird because they've had such a weird, like a very unique experience. And, and because of their unique experience, they have kind of no basis of understanding of your life or my right. life. Like yeah. it's, it, and, and it's understandable, you know, and, and it's, but yeah, they're weird. When, when you say weird, can you give some examples? Like what stood out to you that was, okay, this is a little off or you know, it's, abnormal. I, yeah, it's, it is, I think to be, I think for a lot of players to be as good as they are, honestly, um, just the amount of work they put in and their obsession with the game um, 
like some of them are frankly psychopaths. Um, and that's one of the reasons they're good, you know, and it's, it's just how it is. Um, and just the obsession with what they do. And it's, it, it just creates like a weird sense of, of they all have weird egos. Some are really big and some are really small. Um, or still don't, they still don't feel good enough. Um, it, it creates, you know, strange social behaviors at times just because they don't really know how to interact with people who aren't, um, who aren't athletes who don't play baseball and make millions of dollars. Um, and, and I really, really like most players I've dealt with, but they're weird, you know, but I, you know, it's not a negative. I'm not trying to make it sound like they're all, they're, most of them are great. I, I really like most of the players I dealt with. Um, it's just, they live a very strange life. Okay. That wraps up part one of our conversation with Kevin Goldstein. Part two, again, will run on Wednesday and part three on Thursday. Now that you've listened to this podcast, be sure to check out the Locked on Bets podcast as well. Hope you all have a wonderful day. Stay safe and we will talk to you tomorrow.